Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 17. We are now on 10 platforms, so if you would like to subscribe, you can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or Google, Anchor Stitcher, to name a few, and every week a new teaching will arrive. So today we're looking at Jesus' teaching on uh, money and possessions and all the stuff we have. But really, it's about any kind of addiction that really grabs a hold of us and doesn't let us go. It's a teaching that uh, starts off about money, but I think it's safe to say it's really about anything in our lives that trips us up or causes us to move away from what is life-giving. You know, Jesus said, I've come that you might experience abundant life. Like he's saying, that's why... The whole reason I came was that you might learn how to experience true, abundant life, which is like a full life. Remember in college with Maslow, remember the pyramid? And right at the top, there was the self-actualized human being, you know, like the the best possible life, fully self-actualized, aware. Well, Jesus said, I've come that you might experience this. Peace with yourself, peace with God, peace with others. Which is a great promise, of course, but the caveat is keep company with Jesus long enough, listen to his teachings long enough, and then we soon find out all the problems and issues and sin slash addiction, failures that keep us from abundant life. So this particular young man's problem was the grip that money had on his life. Now, of course, you don't have to be wealthy in order for money to have a grip on your life or a hold on your life. You could be very, very poor and money could be a huge issue, right? This young man isn't free. Uh, At the beginning of the story, he's not really aware of the hold that money has on him. At the front end of the narrative, which I think is pretty common because most of us think that we can handle money well enough, right? We own it. It doesn't own us. We use money. Money doesn't use us. But money and possessions, according to Jesus... It is not easy to handle well, and it is certainly not easy to keep in proper perspective. Some of us overspend, that's a worry. Some of us are in a lot of debt, that causes a lot of anxiety. Some of us have a lot, but we worry that we're going to run out. Uh, Some of us don't have enough. Some of us argue about money a lot. If we're going to have the family meeting and we're sitting down and we're discussing finances, we know the conversation's going to be tense. Some of us are generous. Some people are just born generous and some really have to work on that. And some are content and some are never content and they always want more. Yeah, we're all over the place, aren't we, when it comes to money and possessions. 
Well, in this passage this morning, uh, my morning, right, Mark 10, it's an account of this young man. He feels like there's something missing. It's not money because he's rich, but he does feel like there's something missing. Uh, It's unsettling. His life's a bit empty. He certainly believes in God. I mean, so he's connected that way. He lives a good life, he says. And he seeks Jesus, and he finds him, and he runs up to him, and kneels down and pours out his concern in verse 17, Mark 10. Good teacher, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Ah, before we even start, good teacher, verse 18, good teacher, Jesus stops him before he starts. No one is good but God alone. No one's good but God alone. It's like, young man, whatever your perception and whatever your perception and understanding of good is, whatever you believe a good man is, it most certainly falls short of God's standard. It's almost like a hint of what's to come, which is if you think for one moment that God is impressed with your goodness, I can assure you there is nothing in your life that is impressive. You or the rest of humanity, for that matter. There's nothing particularly impressive about your goodness. It's like, oh, it's like, okay. Good teacher, what must I do to what must I do to inherit eternal life? And eternal life, by the way, in the New Testament is something that you enjoy right this moment. This isn't something that kicks in after you die. Like we're just living away here, trying to do our best. And then once we die, everything's going to be okay. Uh, Eternal life in the New Testament is about a particular kind of life, a quality of life that you begin to enjoy today. Jesus called it abundant life. It's a fully alive life self-aware life. What must I do to get this eternal life? And Jesus answers him by telling him a few things he shouldn't do in their commandments. He said, well, you shouldn't murder. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Honor your parents. And then he also adds in Matthew's version, oh, and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, uh, that's good. I don't, I don't, break any of these commandments, the young man said. I don't do any of these things. I've kept all these commandments ever since I was a boy. Now, it's a bit of a setup on Jesus' part because Jesus asks questions that will expose the deeper issue, right? I mean, this young man isn't that self-aware. I mean, really, how could you on it? Could you really say, I've never, ever lied? I've never, ever... I've never broken the commandment. I mean, how could you say that? He's not really that aware, right? Doesn't have much insight. It's like he's living on the surface. I'm good. I'm doing everything well. Yeah, I keep all the commandments. Um, um, yeah, and I'm a moral, kind, good person. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm fine in that area. Now, there's not a whole lot about dependency on God here. It's all about him thinks he's good, he thinks he's on the right track, something's missing, yeah, I've got, yeah, I know something's missing, I'm a bit empty, 
But uh, other, than that, other than that, he doesn't know why. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Interesting phrase. Jesus looked at him and loved him. It's like a transition in the conversation. It's like a moment from, okay, okay, let's move on now from your perception of what being good looks like or what you think it looks like. Let's, let's move on now to abundant life. He looks at him, Jesus, loves him and says, okay, sell everything you have, everything, give it to the poor, and then you come and you follow me. Well, two points of interest here. That lovely line, Jesus looked at him and loved him. It's the only place it's written in the New Testament. There's something holding this young man back. Uh, there is an emptiness. His assessment's correct. There's something missing in his life. And Jesus sees it and loves him and wants him free. It's like, you know, it's almost like if you, if you have someone in your life and you can see that they're struggling, you can see that there's something holding, holding them back, but they can't see it. And you know what happens when you tell people what their issue is, right? They don't listen. Jesus looks at them and loves them, wants them free. And then the second thing of interest is, he said, okay, Jesus said, I sell everything. This is the only time Jesus instructs someone to give away absolutely everything he has and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Give away everything, all of it, and join the group. And it struck me this week, I thought, wow, I wonder if he was being invited to join the twelve. I mean, is that what he's saying here? You come and follow me. You be a part of the group. Well, whatever he meant, I mean, the man's, the young man is shocked. He's grieved because he is not going to do it because it's crazy. It's extreme. It's unrealistic. It's not going to happen. No, I'm not going to do it. Why? Verse 22, because he had many possessions and he walks away sad. And note that Jesus does not go running after him. Important point, I think. Jesus exposes the problem, and it's not so much he's rich. Again, it's the hold that his riches have upon him. It's the attachment. It's always about attachment, right? And the very thing that this young man thinks he needs is the thing that causes him inner pain and emptiness and the yearning for more. And Jesus points this out by challenging him to let it go. Now again, the problem isn't the money. It's not the wealth. It's how he views it and the grip and the hold and the power that it has in his life. It's like, God, I'll give you anything but not this. And you might not necessarily say that out loud that way, but it's that clinging on. I want more, but don't touch this. 
I want a different life, but I don't want to change. And for him, it's the possessions. And for us, it might be something else. It might be something entirely different. Anytime we have an area in our lives where we're saying, don't touch this, I mean, we might not be saying it out loud, but that's the heart stance, we're in a lot of trouble. Anytime we have an area, like, I'm not dealing with that, or... I'm not going to look at this or I'm not going to face this. I'm not admitting to that or I'm not willing to change or I'm not willing to let go. Well, whatever that is, we're in trouble because whatever we won't release has control over us. The old word was actually idolatry. That's what the Old Testament called it, the Hebrew scripture. Something's got control over you. You can't let something go, that's idolatry. That's your God, in other words. So Jesus is always counseling, keep your hands open, you know, because clinging brings much pain and trouble and you lose your freedom. So whatever it is that we hold on to, it's like, well, this anger, I'm not letting go of this anger. Okay, well, or this person that I need to forgive, I am not looking at that or this disappointment that defines my life I'm not even going to think about that or this greed that drives all my decisions or this fear that causes me to dominate and to control my loved ones well no we don't have to look we don't have to release anything but if we don't we end up like the young man, which is walking away sad. It's like, I do want to follow you. I do want abundant life. I want to be free. I want another life. But just leave me alone in this area. It's really interesting the way that God works with us because Jesus could have said, the young man comes up, he's empty, falls at his feet, Lord, what can I do to get life? Jesus could have said, okay, I'll tell you why you're not happy. I'll tell you why you're incomplete. Jesus could have said, your money has a hold on you. But he doesn't do it that way. Because Jesus wants the young man to come to his own conclusions. This is the way God works with us. It seems important for people us. To, we've got to come to our own conclusions. Otherwise, it's too easy to get defensive, right? If Jesus had said, I'll tell you what your trouble is. The trouble is money has a hold on you. The young man could have turned around and said, I mean, he's a religious young man, first, first century Palestine. He could have said, I, I give away 10%, I tithe. In fact, he would have given away more than that uh, to the temple. That was the culture. You were told to give certain amounts to the temple. He could have easily said, hey, I'm a, I give away lots of money. I don't have an issue with money. But see, this is the way God works with us. One day, the light bulb goes on and we have an insight. It's like, oh, that's what's holding me back. And you know, it's interesting because it really doesn't matter if other people can see this. You've got to be able to come to the, your own conclusion about these things. Right? That's why, you know, 
You can keep telling friends, you can keep telling children over and over and over again what you see, and it doesn't make any change because there's no insight on the other person's part. Now, with this young man, he has the insight, but he doesn't have the will nor desire to make a change, so he's stuck, and he walks away sad. The encounter doesn't have a happy ending, not at this point anyway, in his life story. And Jesus lets him walk away. That's another pattern, as he does with us. It's, it's almost like, okay, come back when you're sick and tired. It's like, are you sick and tired yet? Are you tired of the way that you're living yet? No? Oh, okay. And I'll, I'll wait. And then you come back when you're tired. It's worth considering. Can we get stuck in these dilemmas where we know what's holding us back, but we can't seem to give it up and move on? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think we've all been there. So he walks away sad. And even the disciples are worried about this young man. Jesus watches him walk away and says, Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter heaven. And the disciples are just astounded in the next verse. They say, well, what about us? Who can be saved then? It's like, Jesus, this is way too hard. Nobody can do this. You're, you're, you're just asking too much. It's too much, all of it. It's just too much. And Jesus said, for mortals, it's impossible. But not for God. For God, all things are possible. Jesus is saying, for people, yes, it's impossible. There's so many things that you'll never fix on your own. Yes, Jesus is saying, I agree. There are many bad habits and ways of living and ways of thinking. That's a big one. Ways of thinking, ways of responding that you will be unable to change by yourself. It's like we get completely captivated, imprisoned. Yes, Jesus is saying that there are, there are things that are way beyond you. There are things that you do not have strength for. And if you try to change without God, you'll end up like this young man walking away sad, walking away saying, I can't do this. Jesus is agreeing with the disciples. People can get, we, we can get enticed and lured by the wrong things. We can get overwhelmed. People constantly look for life and happiness and joy and they often look in the wrong places. So they end up, we end up walking away sad. Yes, Jesus said, for mortals, all sorts of things are impossible. But bring God into the story and that changes everything because it is not solely up to, to people to work things out. There's another one. There's another one at work. So what seems impossible for you, you know, what seems impossible, and it, it, it may be something about yourself. It, I can't change this part of me or I can't change the way I react or I can't change the way I respond. It might be something about you. 
or it might be something in the world that you're concerned about, something that you'd like to, an area that you would like to make a difference, that you would want to help, that you want to change, but you're really not sure where to start because the problem's too big and it's too overwhelming and, and there's just way too much suffering and I don't even know where to begin. Yes, Jesus says, right, right, with mortals. There's all sorts of things you can't change. But bring God into the picture. Open yourself to something entirely new. A change, a movement, anything is possible. A a new way forward, a change of mind, a change of heart. Yes, it's all possible. A new direction, a new insight. Yes, it's all within the realms of possibility with God. Thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Jesus' wisdom on dealing with money and possessions and other needs and desires and longings that can dominate us to the point where we feel empty, something's missing. There's the heart cry, keep us free, God. Keep us free. There's the prayer, keep us free. Free from all the joy stealers. Keep our perspective on track. Join with me next week for another episode of Celtic Preacher.